I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> It is the odd week between Christmas and New Year's, the last week of the regular season here on the Cult of Colt. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Brian Stabby. I am joined by Gumby. And Gumby, we have a special guest, an actual real special guest, what? not someone you're related to. Yeah. Well, th- that can't happen. We're not allowed to have people on this entire podcast that we aren't related to. That's not allowed. Yeah. Uh, well, you, this, this marks a very first. We have... The very talented Brandon Lee Gowden of Gang Green Nation. You know it well. He is an Eagles reporter, uh, editor-in-chief, manager, co-founder of BGN Radio. Brandon, thank you for taking some time to chat with us today. Guys, thanks for having me on. Always love, especially being on uh, one of the NFC East podcasts. Like I was on, you know, with uh, Blogging the Boys last week. Mm-hmm. They do a, little, a good job over there. Uh, happy to be here with you guys, part of the, you know, the hog saving group. Yeah, we're coming for those uh, for those boys in blue. Uh, that they're they they're come they're going down. We're we're punching up above our fighting weight here, but uh, we'll we'll get them. Well, we're gonna keep out, out kicking our coverage. It's okay, we got it. That, that's right. Uh, this is episode what thirteen? Is that right, Gumby? I honestly don't. Twelve or thirteen? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We it's, have a good time. No one cares. Yeah. It's not yeah. more than fifteen. <laughs> no, I know that. No. Um, we but, we have more yeah. wins than Washington. That's all that matters. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, so, Brandon, thanks again for taking some time to chat with us this evening. So, for those Washington football team fans, Hogshaven readers, and Cult of Cult listeners who aren't familiar with yourself, with uh, Bleeding Green Nation, which is preposterous given its size relative to other SB Nation sites, uh, tell us, tell the listeners a, a little bit about yourself, your background, your fandom, and uh, your work with, with Bleeding Green. Yeah, so I've been working f- for Bleeding Green Nation for since 2013 now so it's been a long time uh it's been a great ride uh hopefully not coming to an end anytime soon i don't know why i said it like that but uh it did feel a very they had a fine a finality to it i'm like yeah, it's uh-oh. been a great ride is there an I'm announcement out. coming up <laughs> no never mind sorry <laughs> uh no you know it's, it's been awesome uh you know the site has really grown over the years that's been really cool to see you know bg and radio uh when i took over bleeding green nation back in 2013 we didn't even have a podcast which is crazy to think in today's world when like literally everyone has a podcast right. and like yes. I'm, I'm sure your pet might might have a podcast <laughs> uh so yeah it's just really grown over the years obviously got to cover the eagles winning a super bowl in 2017 which is hey that's pretty What's cool that like and uh it's it's pretty hey it's pretty good man i was there in minnesota got to see it with my own eyes so i saw it happened in you know, the building conspiracy i was in what? the building uh yeah I, I was there you know sp nation uh got me with the hookup with the credential and whatnot I totally, I'm a really stoic person for those who don't know. And obviously that's pretty much anyone listening to this, but when Brandon Graham strip sack, Tom Brady, I just, I lost it. I like, literally turned to the guy next to me, another media member who actually worked for SB Nation at the time. And I started like uh, violently shaking him because I, I just lost it. Like it was, it was so, it was, it was amazing. Uh, it was great to see. Not so great since then in terms of what's happening with the Eagles. They're like what, 23, 26 and one now since winning the Super Bowl. So, uh, but at least they got that in, I guess. Uh, okay, right off the bat, what? Obviously, you, you talk about the after Super Bowl, and that's where we are right now. We'll we'll get into that. But how? In your mind, how long does the super does the does the honeymoon last? 
Uh, Are we still in, in a honeymoon? Of, nah, nah. In terms of, uh, I mean, it's it's something you always have to look back on. Like that's for sure. You, you can always remember you saw that, and that's special, and you can't take that away. But I think the way I look at the Eagles since winning the Super Bowl is about opportunity cost. I want to make it very clear that this isn't like the Eagles had to sell out to win the Super Bowl. It's not like they were. I kind of compare them to like, or contrast them to the 2015, you know, Denver Broncos where, you know, like Peyton Manning's on his last legs. Like this is their final run. They kind of have to go all in for it. And if they suck years after that and they don't win or they do win, well, then that was the price to pay. Like you can kind of understand why they would be bad after that. But the Eagles were in a really good spot. I mean, Carson Wentz was in the second year, you know, Doug Peterson in the second year. They had cap space. They had, you know, draft picks. It looked like they could be a team on the rise. And to me, there's really no good reason I know, you know, having a dynasty in the NFL is hard. It's, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, they should have won more Super Bowls, but they should have been more competitive than they were. I mean, they barely made the playoffs in 2018. They it came down to week 17 when like they needed the Vikings, who had a playoff spot to play for, to lose to the Bears, who had nothing to play for, and were resting some starters, and, and Kirk Cousins choked. Uh, maybe something you're familiar with. Yeah, there. we remember him. I think we remember him a little Intimately bit. Intimately yeah. familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that you guy. You like that. You and like then, uh, that. <laughs> Yeah, I did like that. Uh, and then 2019, you know, Carson Wentz goes on a run down the stretch. But, like, we all know who ba- how bad the NFC East is, you know, and including a win over Washington in uh, Week 15 last year. Like, that was nice to do, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, a signal that this team is suddenly great. So, point being, they barely made the playoffs the past couple of years. And I think the organization has looked at that uh in a way where like they kind of just looked at the bottom line it's like we made the playoffs the last three years we're everything's fine here we know what we're doing but the reality is i think there's been a lot of hubris with the eagles so when you kind of put it in those terms i think the honeymoon has gone Mm. because it's clear they're they're on a path right now where the future is it's very dark it's very bleak like they have the least flexible roster in the nfl they're like 70 million over the cap next year um like, so they're, they're locked into this very bad, old, expensive roster. Their quarterback situation is unsettled now. We don't know what's going to happen at head coach. The general manager should be gone, but he's in, like, no danger of being fired. It's basically where, like, Bruce Allen was, where, like, you guys knew, like, Bruce Allen has to go. Like, everyone agrees on this. The, yeah, and, the like, entire he's population in no danger of losing it. his job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so that's basically where the Eagles are with Howie Roseman. So it's just like, what is there to feel good about moving forward? So we'll, we'll talk about the quarterback situation and the upcoming – sort of off season and the future outlook. But I guess to hone in on this year, it it seems like you're saying that there was a, a cascading effect of bad decisions that got them to where they were. But what do you attribute as the major factors for this season's results, success, or lack thereof? Yeah, I mean, obviously, to start with Carson Wentz, I mean, him just like falling off a cliff. I mean, even if you're the biggest Carson Wentz detractor out there, you, you just could not have predicted he would be playing like the worst starter in the NFL this year. Like that's that's a result no one saw coming. And it's crazy to think he fell off that far. Um, I don't think it's totally just bad luck. I think Carson Wentz has shown that he hasn't been coachable enough. And I think he deserves blame, not all the blame necessarily for his struggles. I mean, I can't say the coaching has been the best. I can't say Howie Roseman has done the best job of surrounding him with talent. I mean, they passed on Justin Jefferson, who's looking pretty good, rookie of the year, <laughs> yeah. to take Jalen Rager, Yikes. who 
yeah, it doesn't look like anything special at all. So there's blame to be shared here and to go around. And I mean, a lot of people want to pin the season on the offensive line, which is like going into, I think, uh, last week's game or week 15's game. It was like they had started 13 different combinations in 14 weeks. Like it's crazy. Like there's been crazy turnover on the offensive line, a lot of injuries. But part of that is like they built an offensive line uh, that's relying on old and injury prone players. So that's not just like bad luck. They deserve some of that. So it's just been tumultuous in terms of uh, uh, like Carson Wentz not playing like he should be, the coaching not being up to snuff. Uh, really just issues across the board here. The talent on the roster just isn't good. There aren't any young players on the Eagles that you feel like really good about. The Eagles have not drafted a single pro pro bowler since 2014 other than Carson Wentz, (laughs) who was just benched this year. Now, Philly's like Wall Street right now. We we have an absolute disaster going on at quarterback. Absolute disaster. You know, as you guys know, we have Alex Smith and we had Dwayne Haskins, but but I want to learn a little bit more about Wentz. Like, you guys are going through the same problem we are. What's next? With Wentz, with, with Hertz, what's on the horizon for Wentz? And do you guys see keeping him in the next year? Yeah, so I think where a lot of people are with this is, like, you just bring in a new head coach, and that guy can fix him, and he's salvageable. And I just think that it is very naive to think that because, again, from what I've heard and, like, talking to people who know – Carson Wentz and know how the Eagles work like he's just not the most coachable guy Mm. and I think that's been a big problem and so I I have a really hard time believing you just hire a new head coach and that magically fixes everything and maybe Carson Wentz even gets better I don't think he's going to be this bad for the rest of his career but you know what's his ceiling now like how good is he really going to be and you're paying him this like elite level quarterback contract and I think you have to look at it if you're the Eagles as this is either a zero year commitment to Carson Wentz in terms of you're either moving on from this offseason or you're making two years of a commitment because it's not like you just bring him back for one more year. It doesn't work like that. And his contract, if he's on the roster the third day of the league year in 2021, $15 million of his 2022 salary gets guaranteed. Oh, wow. So basically, you know, if they keep him on the roster, yeah, for next year, they're also committing to him another year after that, the way his contract is set up. So I don't know how you can do that right now with how bad he's been. You're really going to commit to him two more years. Like I'd rather just pull the plug now and rip the bandaid off. Um, I just don't, if he's going to be salvaged and I think it could be possible, I don't think it's going to be here. To what do you attribute his decline, his regression? I think some of it is like some of the stuff earlier in his career being not sustainable in terms of success on third down. He was, he was mad. He was fantastic. Magical. I mean, you guys probably remember it from yeah. 2017 yeah. at the link, you know, where he, he looks like he's uh, sacked in a pile of bodies and he just breaks out and he runs free for a first down or he makes like incredible throws as he's being hit. I mean, uh, some of that stuff t- obviously just wasn't sustainable. I think injuries have taken a toll. He's just not the same like athletic player that he used to be. Um, not to say he's totally devoid of any kind of athleticism. You know, he's had some moments, but like, I just don't think he's quite where he was. Um, again, the coaching hasn't been great this year. I can't say they've set him up for the the most success possible. And then I think a lot of it ultimately goes on him in terms of being coachable, in terms of uh, you know working on his mechanics and everything. His mechanics were a mess this year. Mm. And part of that, I think, though, is like Carson Wentz wants the quarterback coach to be a guy who's his buddy as opposed to a guy who's really going to press him. When the Eagles had John D. Filippo back in 2017 when they went to the Super Bowl, 
Flip was known for being like bad cop, like a really uh, like a, like a hard ass and and really getting on him. And apparently Carson Wentz didn't like that. Um, but I think that's what he needs. I think he needs that tough love and I don't think he wants it. So it's really hard for me to believe, you know, uh, you know, that's going to change. And I was hoping my hope for Carson Wentz, I've always been a big Carson Wentz supporter. My, my really big hope for him was that this benching was going to kind of serve as a humbling experience and realize like, hey, something's wrong with me. I need to make changes. And based on the report we saw the other week from Adam Schefter that like Carson Wentz like wants to be gone if Jalen Hurts continues to start here, to me it seems like he doesn't really think he's to blame, and that's pretty disappointing. Wait, so rather than actually going in and fighting for a job <clears throat> against a rookie, this veteran saying I want out. That's the report. I mean, wow. you know, there's people since have said like, oh well, you know, Carson Wentz didn't say that, and I think Schefter came on local radio here and said like, I didn't get that from Wentz or his agent. But I mean, to me, it's like that's coming from Wentz's camp. Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> like, that's that has to reflect how he feels to some extent. And yeah, I agree with you. It's like he, you know, he should be uh, in the point where like it's like he should be saying, hey, I can beat out this young player. I'm, I'm better than this, but I don't know if that's where he's at. So, uh, obviously, Washington is going to see Jalen Hurts this weekend. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your uh, impression of, of Jalen Hurts as his evolution from your perspective, from a fan base's perspective? You know, going starting with his selection in the draft, which I know kind of took a number of people by surprise, uh, and sort of sitting there and Obviously, there was a point in the season before he started that people started saying maybe they should turn to him. But what what's the sentiment on on Jalen Hurts? Like, what's the book on him so far? Yeah, I think you know the first two games were were pretty encouraging. You know, they beat the Saints. Um, even coming in the Packers game after Carson Wentz got benched during that game, he showed some nice things. Uh, obviously, wasn't enough to win. I think Hurts on the whole has done well, given the fact that, you know, he's a 22 year old rookie. He didn't have a real off season. Right. Um, you know, he came into a, an awkward situation in terms of, you know, you're replacing the starting quarterback. And I, I already mentioned the offensive line has been in flux all year. So uh, it's, it's hard to, you know, to get a full definitive read on him. I think he's probably kind of been about you, what you would have expected from him. I think there's been potential that you see here that you feel good about. I like his touch on passes that's something Carson Wentz really lacks just like putting touch on throws uh, I like his mobility but I think he has he has a lot to prove or improve on in terms of and things you're concerned about that might never improve like in terms of his arm strength like that's just not really ever going to be um, the thing he's like incredibly good at uh, so I think we've seen enough from him to feel in my mind, like there's, there's reason to move forward with him as your starter. Not, and that doesn't mean like, you know, he's the franchise guy, you know, he's the answer. I just think they kind of need to turn the page on from Wentz and you give Jalen Hurts time here to see if he's the guy, like he's a rookie this year. So if you're not paying him a contract since anytime soon, you have time to figure out if he's the guy, I think he's shown enough now kind of still like, you know, if he goes out on Sunday and throws like, zero touchdowns, six interceptions against Washington, kind of an issue. Um, so I think this this game kind of matters a little bit in terms of how he performs, especially bouncing back from a rough game against Dallas and going up against a really good Washington defense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's kind of like, you know, it's incomplete. The grade on him is really incomplete because it's just so, such a small sample size. Sure. Yeah. So, so Brandon, as we're talking about quarterbacks, um, last week Washington had a great time with uh, Haskins throwing two interceptions, fumbling a ball, uh, completely, excuse my language, shitting the bed. 
Um, that's our opinion. As uh, the Washington nation here has looked around, we we have just we're we're just pissed. It's we lost a draft pick. We we were unable to take a a, a quarterback and, and turn him into anything, and it just it was a disaster. Nationally and in Philly, kind of what is your guys' grasp on what's been happening down here in Washington? Yeah, I've never been a Haskins guy. I never got it with him, man. I, I think I think back to like I think his first game was first game against Buffalo. One of his early games was against Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just remember him looking lost. Like he just didn't look like he knew what he was doing out there. Like the moment was too big for him. And I remember seeing that in another quarterback. And funny enough, this, this other quarterback, who I'm about to say, had like a similar track record in terms of like one year uh, college starter, which I think is not really good enough in terms of a profile. And that was Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. I remember Mitchell Trubisky's first game. He just looked lost. Like he kept looking at the sideline. He didn't look like he knew what was going on. And I remember seeing that in Haskins and I just, I never, I never got it with Dwayne Haskins. I, I really just didn't. Um, so not really surprised to me, you know, they moved on from him with everything that's gone on there too. And it seems like like the culture uh, or the, uh, the character in terms of football character, just not there. Like it's not a guy who you can really bet on to improve and, and to trust, you know, he's making bad decisions. Um, so I'm not surprised Washington moved on. Uh, yeah. I was, I was at that, um, I've said this is probably the last football game I'll attend at FedEx Field. I was at the Eagles game at FedEx last year, um, which was 60% empty, and then 90% of the people that were there were in green. Um, it was something to see. And Haskins kind of put them in a position at the end to win and then loses the football on functionally the last play of the game, and they, they run it back for a touchdown. And it messed up the spread. Which it's, yes. I was looking around. I could see, I could tell which people were mad, <laughs> not because of what was going on in the football field, but because they were they just lost a lot of money. <laughs> and there was bad beat, man. not an insignificant number of people there. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment of, of Haskins. He just, he'd make an okay play and you say, okay, we can build on this. And then we'll just throw the ball away or, you know, roll out of a, a, an, a, a clean pocket. It just, it was a, a frustrating experience and one where I mean, we haven't even really had the opportunity to talk about this. No. Um, but where it's like, okay, they cut bait. Maybe that was the right thing to do. Like you never want to see a team just get rid of a first round pick and a guy who you, who they think is going to be the face of the franchise. But Clearly, they knew that, you know, let's say Wentz is on a two-year plan, max, if that's sort of like the the initial starting point. Well, if the initial starting point is we're trading him or he's on a two-year plan, I think that they were able to look at him and make the decision, okay, there is no, there's no long-term plan here. We might as well just... There's no plan even, next week is what they say. Yeah. Like, we're done In with light of the situation. And then and with that, you're looking at, uh, you know, I, I told Stabby this before, here's a quarterback who has all of the talent. He has the arm strength. He has the mobility. He has every – if you put together a prototypical quarterback, it would be Dwayne Haskins. What's going on ways, yeah. what, What's going on right now is, is, is him. It's his head. It's his ability. It's, whatever's in there has to change. And I, I don't think his time at the NFL is done yet. Uh, but we, I think he needs to turn it around. I need to figure out – get a mentor or something that pops it in. Because, you know, he, he in essence was pulled in – to Washington, drafted by Dan Snyder. All the coaches right. said no. They said no, 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 mm-hmm. no. 
Dennis Snyder comes in and says, this is my guy. He literally went to high school with my son. Like, I like this guy. He's, we're going to pull him out. Uh, and he did that. Now, with that, you know, Dan Snyder, you guys have a really good kind of ownership, uh, the Lorries. And, and in the years that you've seen them, kind of compare your ownership to our ownership. Like, what do you guys see as being part of D.C.? What, what the issues we have? Yeah, I would say, you know, for where the Eagles are right now, you know, it's easy to be like mad at a lot of things. But on the whole, I mean, I think Larry has been a good owner. I think, you know, I think, first of all, he cares. Like, he's not a guy who, um, you know, buys the team and just doesn't really care what happens with it. Like, he's he's very active. He's done a great job. I I don't think this gets enough attention. And people don't care about this kind of thing, sadly. But he's done a great job with, like, their charity program. I think the Eagles have, like, one of the best charity – you know, programs in the NFL. He makes that like a big priority and the players have to be involved in that too. So like in the community, I think like that stuff is easy to take for granted, especially if the team is playing poorly, but like, that's important. That matters. Um, and, and especially for teams that can't get it right. And I think you look like, like Washington like that over the years, like just things like they, they can't get the, like the easy things, right? Like getting the, the on-field product right can be hard. Like that's, I can admit that, but like the, the simple things, the off the field things, even just like taking care of the media from what I understand, like has been bad there. And the stadium is a joke. Like the press box there Have is you like been? a terrible view. I haven't been, but I've seen like pictures from it. It's like, it's a, it's pathetic. It's, like, it's, and I know yeah. what the Eagles looks like. Yeah. yeah. It looks a lot better. So like just stuff like that, like getting the small things wrong is pathetic and, and a sign of obviously terrible ownership. And, and uh, yeah, I think Lurie, you know, has brought a lot of stability to this franchise, I think uh, it's harder for me to fully understand uh, as someone like who didn't go through when the Eagles were like terrible way before I was born, like, and we're just totally like pathetic and not even relevant at all. Like Lurie has certainly made this team a lot more relevant. And obviously uh, earlier in the two thousands, they were, you know, going to the NFC championship game every year. They had that really strong uh, run of success and they finally won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. First owner to ever bring that in Philadelphia. So, you know, he's obviously, you know, has this team on the whole, in a in a good uh good standing when you look at the big picture you know i'm i'm not very optimistic we got the the immediate future of this team but like when you look at you know like like big picture view when you really zoom out i think he's you know he's a sign of a stable owner and something that washington sorely lacks in that regard so yeah it's it so growing up i kind of had the opposite uh, effect you did i was around for the 83 super bowl the night the 87 super bowl the 92 super bowl so i grew up with three super bowls almost in a row and then we had a little bit of a lapse, and then they brought in Dan Snyder. And, of course, you know, this young guy, huge, huge fan of the team. 20 years later, we're lucky to win the NFC East with a subpar record. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. So I, I'm the opposite world that you are, and Brian is as, as well, where you know, you're sitting on a Super Bowl championship in the last five years, and for 20 years, we're lucky to sniff the first round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I mean, D.C. as a sports city has had a good couple of years, but I think it has amplified the shortcomings of of the football team, which was historically considered to be kind of the crown jewel of the area that, you know, no, nothing bumps the watch football team from the front page, but they're very much, um, I don't want to say they're an afterthought because it's impossible for that to be the case, but with the attention that, that 
you know, the Nationals and Capitals had winning a back-to-back years, the Mystics winning a championship, and we had an arena football arena football championship. Don't you here. forget that. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, <laughs> your, your Washington Valor Which, Arena Bowl champions. Just, Brandon, just a random fact. Brian tried out. Yeah, nice. I tried out to write something for it about Hogshaven. I haven't gotten around to it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're defunct. that will happen. I promise. It you know it's funny you mentioned the Eagles uh, in in the community, and maybe this is just because it's the kind of thing that I pay attention to. But I I really do think of the Eagles as being an organization that puts that at the forefront, not just necessarily for like lip service. I mean, Washington has, you know, there are, there are charitable guys on the team. I don't want to diminish any mm-hmm. that, but you know, the Dan Snyder's charity was like the, it was basically to, it was seemingly to pay lip service to native Americans. It's just like, you know, when I think about Philadelphia in terms of a, a culture, um, you know, I think about Chris Long, who I know was incredibly charitable. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's the, the juggling long snapper is it Dornboss? Yeah, John Dornboss. John Dornboss. Yeah. I know he was like on Ellen, like hanging out with kids. Mm-hmm. Very like a very visible uh, former former eagle. Is he? Is he? He's a, yeah, yeah, former eagle. Yeah. Um, so no, I think there's there's definitely a lot um, to like, at least from where we sit, looking at you know or, an organization to organization comparison. I think in terms of you know, this, this season, sort of where things are right now as a whole, you know, Eagles get their, their playoff hopes dashed. Um, just the weirdest division. We, we, there have been divisions that have sent a sub-500 team to the playoffs before, obviously. Uh, but no matter who was going to go, it was going to be an odd one this year. You know, with that Cowboys, the loss of Cowboys, Eagles somehow become the first team in the division to make themselves uh, ineligible for for playoff contention. Lucky bastards. So, well, <laughs> so what do you what do you think? Obviously, Washington has everything to play for this weekend, and the yep. Eagles now knocked out of the playoffs. I don't want to. You can't necessarily say that they don't have anything to play for. But what do you anticipate Washington can expect to see? out of this Eagles team, and what do you think they believe that they're playing for right now? Yeah, I'm afraid they're going to play hard <laughs> and play to win. Uh, Jim Schwartz, you know, the Eagles defensive coordinator today, said they have like a, a no-hat rule, meaning like, you know, they don't want Washington to uh, to come in and, uh, you know, get their division hats and shirts and whatever after the game. But to me, that's so stupid because like, okay, like – if you lose or if you beat Washington, you're just giving those t-shirts to Dallas, which is even worse in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like that's, that's a much worse outcome. Uh, the team that just blew you out the other week. So, I mean, obviously like the tanking thing is always an interesting conversation because we all know that like the players and coaches can't try to lose. Like they, right. you know, they've careers, like, we're not, and no one's expecting that. No one's saying like, "Don't try." Like they have to try. It's their job. Well, unless unless you're the 76ers. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, basically. Um, but basketball's a know, whole I'm other really demon hoping... when it comes to tanking. Whole another demon. <laughs> well, they did it right. You know, they, they you know they, they in terms and just in terms of like you know we're gonna play a bunch of young guys who aren't any good at all. Yep. You know, like uh, so I would hope the Eagles kind of go into this game. Like, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are not going to be back with this team next year. Like, everyone knows that. They have to get rid of him, even if they should be back, which they shouldn't, like, just to clear cap space. Like, to me, they should not even be active for this game on Sunday. I would hope the Eagles are, are playing, like, the young guys, their draft picks. Um, 
and the rookies. So I, I would hope that's the case. I don't expect that to be the case. I think they're going to be stupid and stubborn about it, and they're going to go out and try to win this game as hard as they can. Um, and it's going to be frustrating because, again, I think there's there are many reasons why the Eagles should not win this game. First of all, if they lose, they have a shot at the number three overall pick. That's a big deal. Uh, yeah, it'd be great if they could get that. Uh, number two, like any kind of starters they play in this game, I mean, let's say one tears an ACL. Well, great. Now that impacts 2021 for no good reason. So you're just getting hurt in a meaningless game. Uh, another reason to lose is you have an easier schedule for next year, you know, be, just based on, uh, you know, like, the, you know, the, the ranking. Instead of being third in the division with a win, you could be fourth and get like that easier schedule next year. So there are many reasons. There's every reason for the Eagles to lose this game. Um, but I, I fear that, you know, they're really going to try to end this miserable season on a, as good of a note in their minds as they possibly can. And, uh, you know, with Washington's quarterback situation being so unsettled, you know, I think there's a chance they could win. I, I don't think the Eagles are good. It's not like confidence in them. I just think it's, you know, Washington's kind of in a bad spot right now. I think it'll be a close game, you know, because Washington's defense is really good, but uh, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Even our defense has got a problem with anybody who's mobile, any quarterback that's mobile. That's like been our Achilles here this whole season. Yeah. So, you know, with Hertz running, being able to just move, that scares me. That scares that scares me a lot. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we have DeShazer Everett out. That, that's a safety. I, I, I just hope that Hertz, because I want us to win. I want Washington to win. I hope that Hertz does end up, you know, doing okay. But I, th- I hope that you guys lose as well. I'm not even going to lie. I'm not going to pretend like I don't want you to. Um, I'll, ta- I'll, hey, take, I'll, take, I'll take the little banner. I mean, I know it will mean <laughs> zero first round of playoffs. Um, but – but in talking about that, like you just you wrote a good article. It was 11 things I think about the Eagles. Uh, in that article, you you kind of alluded to and you have in this in this podcast about you're kind of worried about the future, the future of the Eagles uh, with the cap space, the quarterback situation. What do you kind of see of what do you see the future as? Like, is the next year not going to be great, but maybe two years down the road, or is at some point in time a rebuild going to have to pop up? Well, that's like the big, like that's the crux of what the Eagles have to decide this offseason. I think they might just try to run it back in part because I, I don't know if anyone wants to take these jobs. Like, I don't know if anyone wants to be the head coach here and be the GM here because like I outlined, the situation is bleak. Like this isn't like the Jaguars who getting number one overall pick, you know, have multiple picks, first round picks in the draft this year, um, least expensive roster in the NFL, youngest roster in the NFL. It's like not that kind of situation. You know, it's a situation where things are bad, things are bleak. And I think ideally, uh, you know, if, if this is me making decisions, I would get, I would clean house. I think that's what the Eagles need to do. I think they need to, because I, I think people can get lost in like, oh, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson deserve to be here. Well, it's really not deserve. It's about like doing what's best for the team moving forward. And I think, again, a fresh start is needed here. I think they need to clean house entirely, not make these half measures that they're probably going to make. And I think the focus should be, as you kind of said there, Gumby, like it's it's not about next year. This isn't a one-year fix. They're locked into the roster next year. They can't really, you know, improve this offseason dramatically. They need to look at this in the long term. And that's really a reason why they need to get rid of Howie Roseman and their general manager and make, you know, changes here. Because if they bring him back, it feels like he has to be in the hot seat, right? I mean, things are going poorly. They're coming off whatever four or five win season, whatever it is here. Uh, why would he be in a position where you can trust him to build long-term? First of all, when he created this mess. And also if he's feeling that pressure, he's going to need to make moves that are like win now moves to try to save his job. 
in terms of thinking about the long term. So I think there's every reason to get rid of him and clean house and start thinking about like, we need to take steps that are going to put us in position to be good in 2022. Not to say I, I think like they can't compete in the NFCs next year because it could be bad again for all I know, but like they're not going to compete for a Super Bowl next year. And I think that needs to be the goal, of course. And I think they, they kind of need to take a step back before they can go forward. Yeah, another one of the things you you mentioned in that the things I think piece, which we will be sure to link to in this post. And, and um, anybody who's a fan of football and the Eagles, check it out. It's really good. Yeah, you guys got to check. Thank it out. you. Um, obviously, I'm saying this is a Washington football team fan, and we've seen the playoffs fewer times this decade than the Eagles have in each of the last three years. Uh, does it not feel like? I don't want to say it's an overreaction to burn it down and salt the earth, but is there an element of of yeah? Is does one Super Bowl mean you're you're that accustomed to success that if there isn't prospects next year that it it's worth really starting all the way over? It's just interesting. I think um, you know we're looking at this from a very different perspective, but mm-hmm. is is there kind of a way that the success requires ultimate success in order for for success to be able to be measured or or felt i guess the way i look at it is like i think people think of risk in an interesting way like i think if people think of risk in terms of like oh you can't move on from those guys too soon because what if they're good and i don't think people think about risk in the way necessarily of like well what if you just keep holding on to them and then you're just delaying the inevitable. Hmm. Um, I, I think that's what we'll have to people have to think about here. You can't just get caught up in like what they were able to do as much as what they can do for this team moving forward. Like what what is the reality reality right now? And and things are trending in a bad way. Again, they're 23, 26, and one since the Super Bowl. Is that like pathetic? No. But when you even look at a lot of their wins. I mean, just this season alone, they've beaten one starting quarterback. It's Daniel Jones. Hmm. <laughs> not not the most impressive stuff. It's like the other guys are like Ben DiNucci, Nick Mullins, um, Taysom Hill. Like it's it's not great stuff here. You know, they tied Joe Burrow. Um, and then even looking back to last year, like, okay, they beat Dwayne Haskins. They beat Daniel Jones twice. Like they haven't really had these quality wins, like even the wins they've had. So I think things – here my argument is things here are way worse than they appear on the surface and i think that's going to continue to bear out if they just run it back and they stick with what they have i think it would take impressive foresight and and courage and and it's risky and i might be wrong but i think it would be like very forward thinking to to be like this thing is trending poorly i need to kind of pull the plug now before things get even way worse and i think jeffrey lurie isn't going to have the confidence to do that and admittedly that's not an easy thing to do i think as an owner in that position but i think that's where he needs to be i think he kind of needs to take that leap of faith so it's interesting because it feels like this roster is very similar. It's similar in a lot of ways to the one that won the Super Bowl. There's there's a lot of guys from that team who are still on this team. So you project that out. You say, okay, we know that this is a roster that is capable of winning a Super Bowl because they did. They won one. So what in your mind then has changed the ceiling to being that they are no longer a Super Bowl-capable squad? I think you just look at that year and it was really an anomaly in terms of where this franchise has been like, and and just Howie Roseman's record as a whole, like they're not 
an elite team regularly or you know and and what teams are there are some it's not easy to be fair i'm not saying it's super easy we all can't be the patriots no yeah Yeah. exactly but but i think um like he's kind of just like a nine and seven seven and nine kind of guy like that's where the eagles are going to be with him just kind of floating around there in the middle and when you look at the roster, I mean, it's gotten older. It's one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. one of the most expensive rosters in the NFL. I don't think it's been managed very well. Like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson have like two of the biggest cap hits on the team this year. They're not giving this team anything. Like they've been hurt. Um, they've been ineffective. Uh, and just even like your, your two best players, like Fletcher Cox, who I still think is good, but I don't know that he's like an elite difference maker that he used to be. He's not in, in his prime. He's not in his peak anymore. He's, he's and Carson Wentz, utter beast. He, and he's still good. Yeah. Like he, you know, made the Pro Bowl this year. He's not bad, but he's not like like when was the last time I, I thought at times this year like he's really taken over a game and actually helped them like win the game because he used to be able to do that. A couple years ago, I think he beat Washington single handedly. Yeah, just, just about. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It was like week seventeen. Yep. That was when um Josh Johnson was starting. Absolutely. Uh, for you guys. Legend. Every time. It was awesome. <laughs> Bow down so, to this you know, king. <laughs> It's it's been a while, uh, and then you know Carson Wentz. Obviously, I mean that's that's the biggest thing. I mean he's your quarterback, he's your starting quarterback, playing like an MVP candidate in 2017. Could have won the MVP, probably would have if he stayed healthy. Now he's playing like literally the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. That is not hyperbole. You look up like any kind of statistics, and I thought it was funny. Like going back to when Dwayne Haskins was benched earlier this season, I looked at Carson Wentz's stats. And I compared them to Dwayne Haskins stats at the time he was benched. And like Carson Wentz is like worse oh, wow. in all these categories. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, that's how bad he's been this year. And again, we can talk about what, what his future is. Um, but right now he's really bad. And it's just, you know, so I think a lot has gone wrong here. The coaching has obviously fallen off as well. Roster management. Um, the drafting has just been terrible. I mean, the 2017 draft. I mean, if, if you look at it this way, like uh, if you look at the top, five players from the last four drafts for the Eagles. Like you can kind of clearly name them. It's like Dallas Goddard. Okay. He's been kind of like a number two tight end here. He's merging more into a number one role, but like part of the time he's been here, he's been behind Zach Hurts. So that's already limiting his, you know, impact. Josh Sweat, I think he's been a nice find in the fourth round. Is he a starting defensive end? Maybe, uh, but he might just be like a third defensive end and a nice one, but like not a superstar. Uh, you look at like Jordan Mailata, who they took in the seventh round. He looks like he might actually be a starting left tackle in the NFL, but he still has a way to go. So we'll see how that one goes. Miles Sanders was a good pick, but he's a running back. Like if, that, if that's one of your best picks, like, okay, great. Like running back, most fun, fungible position in the NFL. <laughs> right. So uh, like, you know, they, they have this and Derek Barnett is probably their, their fifth guy there. And like, I think Derek Barnett has been fine. He's not been great. He's been fine. Maybe the Eagles probably should have taken Jonathan Allen instead. Um, so it's just like there aren't young, exciting players here. Like that, there's like they have not built a core. Um, so th- there's really just not a lot of reason for hope. Now, talking about Sunday night football, we're playing each other. Now, obviously, oh, I forgot. Can, can I, I say know. real Whoa, quick what, what, how ridiculous what? it is? I, I, yeah. Why did this game get flexed? What are we doing? Apparently, Washington still has uh, the ability to get eyeballs on Sunday Night Football. It was news to me, too. But Eight people? Nine people? Who's watching? Okay, I digress. Um, it makes no sense. Us get flexed makes zero sense. There's I got to no go reason. to bed. Come on, man. I know. Like, <laughs> I, I gotta, Monday's the first time I really have to go to work in a while, and they're doing this to me on Sunday. Yeah, but it's brutal. But look at it now, coming into the game. 
we're talking about a late night game and both Philly and Washington don't play well under the lights right now. Anyway, uh, last time the Philly and, and Washington played under the lights really enjoyable. Michael Vick tore us up for like a thousand yards that day. But in that <sighs> process, let's talk about this Sunday, yeah. this Sunday, looking at what is the Eagles greatest strength and how does it match up against obviously our defensive line is our greatest strength. So, right. so in that process, how do you see all this unfolding, Brandon, on uh, Sunday night? Yeah, I mean, typically I would say the defensive line for the Eagles, although it's kind of hard right now because Tox is hurt. There's no good reason he should be playing in this game, like playing through pain just to play in this meeting week 17 game. No, don't do that. Like, again, sit out, get healthy for the future. Um, Derek Barnett is hurt, missed last week's game. I don't know if he'll play. Uh, Josh Sweat went on injured reserve last week. So the Eagles are kind of – usually the defensive line is their strength, but it's kind of banged up. So I don't even know if they can count on that. The rest of the defense is certainly not a strength. Like Darius Slay is a good corner, okay, but they have like no other cornerback on the other side. Or they do if they put Jalen Mills down there, who's a flawed player, but then they don't have any safeties. So like the defense is just depleted with injuries right now and a lack of talent in general. Um, the offense – the best thing I feel about there is Jalen Hurts' mobility. Mm. Now, he kind of got, like, banged up a little bit in last week's game. He'll play this week, but um, I wonder if he'll be limited by that because it seemed like he kind of might have been at the end of the game last week. Um, Miles Sanders is really talented. If they commit to the run game and they can get it going and the offensive line can open some holes, then sure. Uh, he's a home run threat, too. Like, that's a, that's a big thing with him. Like, he might not be able to necessarily constantly grind out, you know, five yards and, and keep that going all game long, but he's going to hit that home run ball. And, and that'll be a big deal if you can break one or two. So um, you can look out for that. Again, hurts his mobility. You guys said like he, mobile quarterbacks have hurt you guys. Um, really, to me, when it comes to like forecasting the game, though, it's just like what is going on with your quarterback situation? Because if 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 Alex Smith plays and he's like healthy enough to play and and last through the game, I think Washington probably will win because I'm counting on him to like not make dumb mistakes. He won't like turn the ball over drastically all game long and he'll do enough. And Washington's defense will do enough to like, to eke out this game, to scrape out this game. But I mean, if it's Taylor Henneke in there, uh, like the, the one thing the Eagles have been able to do again is like beat up on some of these bad quarterbacks or, or beat them. Not but really that's our XFL them, guy right win. there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Old, so, old dominion. Oh, Makes you feel good, and uh, the whole season yeah. we've been worried about Alex Smith's leg, like it was porcelain. So don't yeah. don't worry, we're just as nervous as you are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gut wrenching. Um, so I guess yeah, we we're we're really looking forward to this game. Is there a guy on the Eagles right now that you feel like either doesn't get enough attention or has the potential to be a game changer on Sunday that people should should look at? No. <laughs> fair, hey, fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's part of the problem. Fair enough. It's honestly yeah. part of the problem about this team. Like there's no one that like that gets you really excited. If I'm like, you know, stretching, like I'm I'm trying to find an answer for you guys. I'm looking at like Quez Watkins, who's a six round pick by the Eagles this year. He's made some big plays the past couple weeks. Um, he has some speed. And just in terms, too, of a guy who could actually potentially be a long-term piece, you're looking at someone like that maybe. But again, I don't even know if he's going to play because they're going to might be wasting snaps on Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. So like, you're kind of looking at that. I mean, yeah, there's just not a lot to feel good about and to be excited about in terms of like, oh, at least we have some young guys that are on, on the rise. It's not really the case here. So, so if you had to buy you – you're made to buy one jersey of a player on this team, who would it be? Yeah. 
Brandon, Brandon Graham. Not okay. even, didn't even take it. You know, you didn't, didn't even think about that when you had that. <laughs> I, I love Brandon Graham. Uh, we have the same first and middle name, so that's cool. There, yeah, there you go. Like brothers. Same initials then. Yeah. So uh, Brandon Graham, to me, is underrated in terms of, uh, like, he's an all-time eagle. He's a great family guy. If you guys ever get a chance to watch um, All or Nothing, you know, from Amazon last year, yeah. mm-hmm. he was featured heavily in it. Just a great family guy. Very positive all the time. Keeps the energy up. Goes out and busts his butt every single week. Like, that's a guy who's never dogging it. He's giving maximum effort. Actually, that's one of the biggest things I want to see in this game is Brandon Graham. Like, he has never gotten a Pro Bowl until this year, so he got that milestone finally. And um, he also has never had double-digit sacks, and he's at eight right now. So I, I really want to see him get two. Like, that's the only thing I want out of this game. I want the Eagles to lose, and I want Brandon Graham to get two sacks so he can finally get to that 10 mark because, like, that's that's basically the best silver lining that we can come up with this season. But, yeah, it would be Brandon Graham. Um, 55 is a good number. I feel like, too, that's, you know. That's it is. That is a has. good number. The double-double's good. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a good number, and he, he made the biggest play in franchise history when he strip-attacked Tom yeah. Brady. So I think it's, it's Brandon Graham, no question. That's fair. Now, of course, hopefully, if he gets a sack early on and we're, you know, decimating you guys, uh, Alex Smith will just pull up good old uh, Favre and just fall on the ground for him. Yes. You know, yes. you're welcome I would love that. that. Uh, now, three questions, and this is going to be like shotgun three. one, two, three. I got Ooh. three for him. I got three All for right. you. What are your predictions for this game? Who do you think think actually wins the NFC East? And number three, I'm coming to Philly. Where should I get one? One? A, a cheesecake. I mean, a cheesesteak. A cheesesteak. Cheesesteak. Uh, all right. So I, I have answers for all these. All right. Okay. So Eagles win, win this game, unfortunately. Oh, um, okay. Score? I mean, look, Give me a score. I don't want uh, – oh. let's say like – I mean, they can't really score a lot of points. So, so it's going to be like – I'm gonna say like 17 to 16, like real frustrating. Like last second touchdown. That would be that would be very on brand for Washington. And, for, like, and look, that neither, absurdly bad field goal out of nowhere that no one wanted. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Or that. Yeah. No one's gonna be happy about it. Trust me. Um, I don't want it to happen. And then uh, second question: Who wins East? Was who wins the NFC? So then, therefore, it would not be Washington. Right. It would be. I think it's going to be the Cowboys because that's the most frustrating result is to like hand the, the Eagles be like, oh, we beat Washington. We didn't let them clinch. Okay, well, you just handed the division to Dallas. Like, great. And I think <laughs> oh. that's actually the worst outcome. I would argue that's the worst outcome for any NFC East fan yeah. in terms oh, yeah. of like if, you're, if your team can't win the division, let's say like Washington can't win. Like, who would you rather win? Like the Giants or uh, the Cowboys? To me, it would be the Giants, like in terms of who should or it's more favorable. The Cowboys winning is the worst because like they already have their quarterback. Like they don't need the super high pick. Like get into the playoffs. It's their your first year with Mike McCarthy, and you can kind of like build on this going into next year, and you can kind of feel good about things. Um, so I think that'd be terrible to me. The best team to win would be Washington because I think you guys have a scary roster in terms of your defense and whatnot. You're just missing the quarterback, and if you get into the playoffs, that obviously kind of hinders your ability to get one in the draft potentially. Yeah, so that is true. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope Washington wins for that reason as well. And then <laughs> on the uh, the third question, the cheesesteak. To me, I swear by this place. To me, like a lot of people, or a lot of people will say you know, like Jim's on South Street, and I think Jim's is fine. But there's another place on South Street called Woodrose. Okay. And to me, it is the best cheesesteak in Philly. I, I try a lot of different cheesesteaks, and I always come back to Woodrose Sandwich Shop. Um, they're not a sponsor, but they should be for how much I plug them. People, 
who have listened to BGN radio, because I've talked about this for years now, I've gone there, they've tweeted me like unsolicited, they have just tweeted me screenshots, or like, you know, the picture of their meal. To me, it's immaculate. Uh, they use porn. truffle. It's, uh, it's great, man. They use they truffle cheese whiz, which is just like, it's my mouth's watering right now. Oh, just thinking about it. It's great. You to have to go to Woodrow's. They're, you should. <laughs> Their fries are great, too. So definitely oh. go to Woodrow's. All right. Noted. You're not a Pat's or Gino's. Like, you know, it's like a false, a false. It's, you're asking the wrong question. Like, I, I think people should go there in terms of like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, don't go there. It's tourist stuff. Well, like, I think tourist stuff can be fun. Go there. It's a, it's like a cool little like place to be at with these two different, you know, competing big cheesesteak places like right across from each other it's cool to see and i think they're fine i'm not gonna like say you made a terrible mistake by going there it's just fine but but definitely go to woodrow's that's the real answer all right. nice yeah Very much noted all right well uh brandon lee gouton thank you so much for taking some time to to uh to chat with us really looking forward to this weekend um hope that you are right but no i don't know like it's 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 an odd one this year i mean that that understates it uh brandon what are you what are you working on where can people find you what's uh what's what's going on with you <laughs> yeah just you know keeping it going and bleeding uh you know follow the podcast at bgn radio uh doing more exciting things in terms of not talking about the eagles but still talking about the NFL, potentially Washington still, uh, and then just the league as a whole on the SB Nation NFL show, you know, which we launched this year, which is really cool. Um, so we'll have to get you guys on there. Maybe if Washington wins the division, we'll see sure. um, how that goes. Uh, yeah. So, so just all that basically. And, uh, and thanks for having me on really, really appreciate it. Let's do it next year. That was Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation, the SB Nation Philadelphia Eagles site. You can find him on Twitter at, at Brandon Gowton. Uh, very much appreciate him for his time uh, putting up with us. Absolutely. They they have a, a pretty legit setup over there, so the fact that they were, he was willing to bum around with, with a couple scrubs like Ooh, us. Us yahoos. Uh, <laughs> us yahoos. Greatly appreciated. So I feel like... Uh, you know, we had a really nice conversation with him. Maybe we should just take a quick moment here. We alluded to it during our chat. This is the first podcast we've had following Dwayne Haskins' removal from the Washington football team. I want to take, I don't know, maybe 10 or so minutes kind of just to walk through our thoughts here. We would be remiss if we didn't discuss it. I was pretty Johnny on the spot when, when that happened and jumped into action and wrote the uh, wrote the article, the obituary, as it were. You wrote a Hawks phenomenal Haven. article. It was on the, the cover of the SB Nation uh, about the release of Dwayne Haskins, which, again, yeah. we're looking at uh, it had to happen. And that article you did it broke did. it down so well. Now, now with your article – and then I'm going to give a, a shout out to I, I I don't know this guy but I read this uh, on some social media sites by a uh, Charles A Chavis Sr. and he broke down kind of the fullness of of Dwayne's Haskins and I yeah. read that and with that he it really came to light the full with your article and that together the full negativity that he was bringing to this team how much effort he really put into being an NFL quarterback, how he is still a child and a kid and still learning. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I I think I saw that. Give me the give me the cliff notes or sort of the give me the three paragraph essay, the sixth grade paragraph, uh, sixth grade essay of 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 sort of what your thoughts are there, sort of what you've read, what you've synthesized, and kind of where you are at now emotionally. So let let's let me let me paraphrase what this gentleman said. A when he left college, the his own college coach at Ohio said he didn't quite sure know that he had the maturity level and judgment to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he it's it's bears it bears mentioning he left two years of eligibility of being the man on campus behind him to become to join the NFL, and his stats were were crazy at Ohio State. Crazy good. I mean, he was what either the runner-up or second runner-up for the Heisman. He what he looked awesome. Now he was playing Maryland and Minnesota and Indiana, and of course they played you know Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State there. So he's playing some good teams. But every single player on his team was almost inarguably better than every other player he played against. So you can look good like that and have it not translate to the NFL level. 100%. And one of the players that he was dealing with was Terry McLaurin, who has right. shown to be an amazing an amazing NFL player at this point. Yep. Um, and then if you look at it, now the, he, 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 his own coach says he's not sure. He goes to the NFL draft, and he has a dreadful draft party in a bowling alley. Again, bowling alley is right down the street from my house. No problem with that. But then right. he actually charged admission, and the mission went to his pocket for people who wanted to support him. This is a time to celebrate. This is a time to kind of do that. And and he pulled out that punch, was like, if you want to hang out with me, pay for it. Business is business. Not mad at that. Um, we have the Snyder situation. Everyone understands that part where kind of Snyder may have drafted him only because he knew him because of his son. Yeah. Again, I, we, we've already kind of dove into that pond. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Now, last year at the end of the season, he's been the NFL quarterback. He's getting a win against Detroit. The tr- the the season's ending. Everyone's ready to go home. We're super excited. We're winning a game. Victory formation shows up, and Haskins isn't there. Where is he? He was taking that selfie. Uh, yeah. Okay. I know people were heated about that. I am not. I'm on the record as sort of thinking, all right, I'm glad he's excited. Um, it was a silly thing to do, but I'm not. That that in isolation, I will say, in the moment. In the moment, I was not so heated the way that people, it sort of felt like people were grasping for a reason to be mad, despite the fact that there was something good going on because we are, as a franchise and as a fan base, fairly self-destructive at times. But, now, within context, within the big picture, it doesn't sort of f- feel the same way that it did then. And maybe that's me, and maybe that's other people projecting and, and connecting dots where there aren't they aren't there. But point point well taken. Point taken. And I think you're right. Again, uh, everyone makes mistakes, and I'm okay with the mistakes. I said last week that him going to a strip club, if it was a strip club. Not a big deal to me. It was that he did it during COVID without a mask. But again, it's the entirety of all of these together. So we have the the, the victory formation he missed. And, and I think he, more as a person, you want to enjoy that. And he missed that. Then when this, you know, they talk about training camp and, and how um, 
Thomas Davis try to take him under his wing and say, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm a veteran. I can take you and, and turn and, and make you an NFL player. I'm going to be your mentor, which is something obviously he very much needed. And in essence, he said, no, he said, uh, he had no idea what Thomas Davis was talking about. And he turned his back on an NFL player who I think actually Thomas Davis may have just retired this year. He just retired today uh, after mm. this game. So here's this amazing veteran, veteran uh, linebacker who's done so much for the league, so much for the for our team. And then Haskins just says, pretty much, get lost. I don't want to be around you. And that's sad. Yeah, yeah, and, it is sad. And, and he showed, of course, he showed up at that training camp very much out of shape uh, and, and had not really learned the playbook. We all know they've had to dumb down the playbook for him this whole season. He has this little armband, but you have Smith and, and uh, our XFL guy, and, and they're using the full playbook, but they dumbed down the playbook for Haskins, which is – that's a well-established fact. And I always thought because he just – you know, he wasn't sure or he was – he was, you know, he wasn't quite getting it, but it sounds like he just wasn't putting in the effort. Yeah, and Brandon out. touched on that, namely that he just kind of looks – he had a tendency to look lost. We saw that in this game against Carolina. Um, I feel like a big dumb idiot for picking them to win. I, I knew deep down in my gut that I was going to re- regret that decision. And boy, did I ever. Uh, I, really, I, how, what is there to say about that Carolina game? There really isn't anything to say. You can't expect your defense. I mean, they say defense wins championships, but they played well enough where even a mediocre offense should have been able to get them enough points to win that football game. There was, at some point in time, I think it was, uh, Carolina had a 25, had 25 minutes of possession, and Washington had 11. You can't win like that. You cannot win like that. You can't win like that, especially if your defense isn't scoring touchdowns. No. And Washington's defense this year has scored touchdowns, but you can't. You can't count on it to happen every week. That can't be the game plan. The game plan can't be, okay, let Montez Sweat do something unhuman, unhumanly good and some, one of his, he or one of his teammates will score points. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel... I, normally I would say we're doing a disservice to the listeners by not talking about the football game, but I really don't feel like there's anything to add that would be worth their time. We so all saw the game. We all saw the we game. All saw it. And we yeah. all know that that Ron uh, should have pulled Haskins earlier, and we were we know this. And right. I don't want to harp on it, but but before we close the book on Haskins, I kind of want to give everybody who listens to us have a full understanding of why of why. Yeah. And we sure. have to close the book, and then right. you look at that where he you know he, earlier this year he went from first string to third string, and so the, the next day that they had. Um, practice he tried to call in sick for the next game i mean it's actually not the practice the next game he tried to call in sick call in sick this is yeah. your, your nfl quarterback and you try to call in sick what? yeah it, no that's not what this happens um then right after that he's a third string quarterback and they go play the giants uh they're under covid rules and watches and this is the first covid one he broke where they had all these rules and regulations ahead and they said don't invite friends don't invite family and what he does he do he books a suite for himself and a suite for all his friends and family across from him and actually pre- proceeds to hang out with them in a close environment the night before the game 
Right. First COVID yeah. break. Um, yeah. and gets then fined co- for that. He gets fined for that. But that, yeah. again, we're talking about a consistent issue with what what's actually happening here. Um, then you turn around and you have a party for your girlfriend. Your girlfriend has a party. It may or may not have been a strip club. There's been a lot of back and forth on that. Um, but you go. COVID. Not only does your coach have cancers you're covering from, you have a quarterback that has 11 surgeries. We talked about this last week. Yeah. But but not only that, he let everyone put it on the internet. Like He let people put it on the internet. Like he, he got... a. a but by what I hear, and I could be wrong, he was even tagged in a couple things. And that's kind of how this all got out. And right. he was okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then after all that happens, um, you know, we are kind of looking at this doom scenario where he comes in and th- just that was not a quarterback that no. played – this past he had, weekend. He had a lot of pressure. The expectations were extremely high. Some of them, I mean, the expectations and the level of that he had to perform to is extremely high because he had put himself in a hole. He did. Before the game Here's, even started. It, before the game started, yeah. And he, he had to outperform some pretty lofty expectations. He didn't even come close. Fr- frankly... Uh, it almost seems like it should have happened earlier, at least in that game. I know there were some people being like, oh, they should have cut him last week. Um, I mean, that's a hell of a statement to make. I can't say I disagree. Well, okay. Is there is there any, any other thing, any other things that sort of go into this at this no, point? No, no. That, that's kind of the full quick summary. There, there's more to it, but not any more than we need to talk about. That's the quick yeah, summary. Yeah. I, I, here's... here's Here's where I land, and that is, I'm I'm just really disappointed. Like I'm not I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I feel like Dwayne Haskins. I don't want to say he's a victim of his own success in that he was so talented at Ohio State and he put up such gaudy numbers. And you know, college we know is not the NFL. High school is not college. College is not the NFL. If you play a defense at the college level that has maybe one guy, maybe two guys, if you're playing Alabama, maybe three or four guys who are going to be NFL players, that is not the norm. The majority of the guys are going to play, this is the last level of football that they're going to play. And if you are better, if you're good enough that you are an NFL talent, you're going to look really, 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 really good. Obviously, there were those jokes years ago uh, with you know Cleveland when they were just so wobegone about how you know Cleveland saying oh yeah we want Bama we want Bama it's like well of, of course you're going to beat Alabama you know college is not the pros so Dwayne Haskins he leaves college early he had been nothing but the man his whole life you know all IAC he was all uh, all met at Bullis goes to Ohio State Beats out Joe Burrow. I mean, if you're him, of course you're going to believe what people are saying about you. You're going to, you know, you're he's young. He's, I, I don't, anytime a guy doesn't buy into their own hype, I think is more um, anomalous than 
than average. I think more often than not, guys, guys at this level, Dwayne Haskins was probably the best football player that Dwayne Haskins ever knew until he got. He walked on this field. Until he got to the NFL, he, I'm sure people were telling him his whole life, "You're going to be great." And he probably, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to question his, his work ethic. Um, you know, it's fairly well documented at this point that it was not fantastic in Washington, but anything leading up to that point, and, you know, maybe he was coasting at a level that was not as rigorous as the one that he's at right now, and you develop bad habits, and those bad habits compound, and clearly the, some somewhere along the way something like this happened. And we talked we talked about this a little bit last week. I I'm sad. I'm sad for him. I wanted to see him succeed, not just because I wanted Washington as a football team to succeed, because I wanted them to be more watchable, because I wanted sort of like the misery to end. Yeah, I I wanted to see Dwayne Haskins, the football player, the person, to succeed. He seemed like the time the type of guy who wanted to but did not know how to succeed. And ultimately he got he got chances. I think a lot of this falls at his own feet. Obviously there are extenuating circumstances. The I mean there are circumstances that a lot of people have had to deal with beyond just him, but some people at that at that point in their life are just able to cope better than others are and Dwayne Haskins I well, think he didn't lacks cope. some of the he, he, yeah he, he lacked some of that of, of the ability to be an adult the ability to understand yeah. the surroundings the ability to yeah. to see past now again he's 23 years old with millions of dollars and a lot of dumb people around him and, right. and again and it, we it, said we said this last week absolutely. we were we were dumbasses at his age we're still dumbasses now absolutely but, I am not equipped to be an NFL quarterback in terms nope. of talent, in terms of demeanor. Most people are not. But he is. He has every tool needed except what's on top of his shoulders right now. Yeah. Right now. And I say that right now, lovingly. Hopefully, he can find a way to pull this all back together. And I hope he turns out okay. I hope he has a good career. I hope all that happens. I do, too. But I, I, I do, too. And I really don't even care where it is. If he goes, yeah. if he, if he goes to to Dallas. He's not going to Dallas. But if he goes to Dallas and has a good year, a good career, am I going to be a little bit bitter? Yeah. Hell but do yeah. I want do I want to see him succeed somewhere? I yeah, wanna, I do. If he goes to Dallas, I just want him, I just want to see him lose twice a year. Yeah, exactly. Twice a year. That's really yeah. all it is. <sighs> do do I think it's going to happen? I think some team may bring him in as like a reclamation project. But I don't know. I don't think we saw anything in the Dwayne Haskins era that says to me he is a capable NFL quarterback. And that's a massive indictment. And I know that that I've sort of written him off. I mean, clearly the team has decided that he's not the right fit for them. But I I don't think... There have been better NFL quarterbacks who have not gotten opportunities to succeed or not succeeded. I mean, I think about a guy like someone that they were discussing potentially bringing to Washington a year or two ago in, in, in Josh Rosen, who similarly was a first-round pick, didn't have a great set of circumstances in, in uh, for the Cardinals. Yep. Lee gets jettisoned, goes to the Dolphins, 
gets jettisoned and is now I mean it's not going to happen for him. No, I mean it's it, would over be, for him. it would be it it's over. I think I think he's probably you know if we're doing sort of an apples to apples to apples comparison I think he's probably a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins is. I would he is shown to be a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins and, and Dwayne he's ha- done. He's done. And if you look at what Haskins did on Sunday. Oh my god. There was no rhyme or reason. No. I mean I mean he- he had one good play. He had that pass out to Steven Sims, and on the very next, next pass, he threw an interception. But but I want to discuss that play. That's a great example. So when you go up as a quarterback, you have your little wrist thing. He's reading off of it, and he knows A, B, and C. And, of course, he's he is staring down receivers left and right. Yeah. Stare, everyone knew where things were going. That's why he got intercepted so much. It wasn't, it wasn't hard. And the defense has, has come back and said they saw it. The Carolina defense said, hey, we, 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 he was staring people down. Now, the other end is, is that when he, the pocket broke and he started scrambling and he could see someone downfield, all of a sudden it was his natural talent that was, that was available there. His natural talent. He didn't have to think. He just had to throw. And he did it. Yeah. And you, he showed what could be, just not what's going to be here, right. not with Washington, because he needs to tap into that the way like Aaron Rodgers does, the way Tom Brady does, these are legends because they are able to just take it and not think they can read, 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 boom, read, 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 boom, and he's, he can't he can't do it right now. Yeah, yeah. And then on that very next play when he threw the interception, he had a perfectly clean pocket. He <sighs> he, you know what was it that Darnold was it Darnold who said that he saw ghosts or something that that made all that media. He saw ghosts. He heard ghosts. He felt as though there was pressure coming that. He had a little bit more time. He panicked. He scrambled, yep. and he made a terribly ill-advised pass. And I think that that whole that circumstance that those that two-play run really sums up the Dwayne Haskins experience for me. Where it's like, okay, there's a glimmer there, but maybe he fell backwards into it, and then immediately followed by just like a predictable catastrophic failure. So yeah, I mean. It is it is kind of jarring. I think we knew that something that they were going to move on from him one way or another. I don't I don't I mean your peek behind the curtain at Hogshaven when we know something is coming, we pre-write an article. <laughs> uh at least we put the bare bones of the article together so like we can get it out quickly. We did not have something pre-written for this. As soon as I saw the tweet, I was like, "Oh god, I got to write." And so yeah. I, I, yeah. I I jumped right in right there, but um, I don't know. They cut bait. It's on to the next. I think it's too soon for us to really say what is next. I think we're going to need a little bit of time. There's obviously a very significant football game this weekend. Um, why don't we why don't we give our predictions and and close things out? Uh, Sounds good. What like, do you what do you, what do you think? What do you think well, is going to happen? As I'm sitting here. And I know we missed this part, but I'm sitting here drinking my Elder Pine Empty Real Radiance. That looks like a barrel. It's it's oak it's oak aged black lager. It was delicious. As I'm drinking that for yeah. what I'm sipping, because um, we missed that because we were had, we had we had we had a little bit of ha- we had a guest we had a class it up we had a guest we were drinking beer but we didn't talk about it exactly. that's really the only difference between when we have a guest on and when we don't yeah. have a guest. on. I mean, I don't want to bring up Philly beer. But I think this 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 weekend on Sunday night, mm-hmm. 
I think it'll be a 21 to 14 game. We win. 21, 14. 14. I think we win by seven. I think, I think, I don't, I think that we'll be able to just reduce down hurts. I think there's going to be a lot of players that don't play on Philly. I think it's going to kind of just be a, I don't think it'll be a great game. I think it'll be just be a, a game. And I think at the very end, we will win 21, 14. So we're not going to do the picks this week, but we will make this one. Um, Washington is a one and a half point favorite on the road. See, this is my stupid lizard brain because last week I said I thought they were going to win and they didn't. And so my lizard brain is like, well, you can't say they're going to win because they're not going to win if you do. Obviously, nothing I have to say has any impact on this game. But my head says don't pick them to win, but my heart my heart says um, they win and they cover, but it's not by much. I'm going to say... Three points. Yeah, I think I'm going to say 20 to 16. Oh, weird weird score, but okay. Yeah, I think some weird shit's going to happen. That's fair. We've we've been here before. We've seen <laughs> Washington win on the last week of the season to get into the playoffs. We've seen Washington lose in a very similar circumstance to this one where they played that giant team that had nothing to play for, Washington having everything to play for, and the Giants winning, was it, two or three years ago on the last week of the season. And I also think that we had an opportunity the week before that to clinch the division, and we didn't. I believe you're correct. Yeah. Yeah, this one feels... I have a, I have a bad feeling in my stomach, but I really... I do think... Yeah, I think, I think Washington... I still think Washington wins. It's if Alex. Okay, I'll put it this way: if Alex Smith plays, Washington wins. Okay. Yep. That's that's all. I'm going with mine no matter what, and I think uh, I think we're NFC's champions. Oh well, <sighs> we, we will we will be back here next week, whether or not there is more football left to play. Hope you'll join us as well. The Cult of Cult podcast is produced and edited by me, Brian Stabby, my co-host and director of social media is Gumby. You can follow The Cult of Cult on Twitter at The Cult of Cult. That's all one word. We're also available on Untapped. No one has followed me on Untapped yet. At Stabby and at Cumberland Jr. I promise you I have some good things to say there. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. We ask that if you like what you've heard, that you do three simple things, that you subscribe, rate us five stars, and encourage one friend check us out it goes a long way makes a huge impact in our ability to reach new listeners we know that your listening time is valuable and we appreciate you spending with us gumby happy end of 2020 we're doing it we're going on to 2021 we will be back here next week once again thank you all for listening and this was the cult of cults